Welcome to this week's FFI Practitioner. I'm Jordan Rich. So happy to be speaking with Catherine McCarthy, who is currently a family wealth and family office advisor. A director of the Rockefeller Trust Company, Catherine was the founding president of Marujapu LLC, the family office of the Salzberger family, owners of the New York Times. She's a frequent lecturer at academic institutions, including Columbia University, New York University Graduate Schools of Business, and Imperial College in London. She's the 2020 recipient of the Richard Beckard Practice Award, established in 1992, with the first recipient being Richard himself. Catherine, so nice to have you on the podcast. Congratulations on being the latest in a distinguished list of Beckard Award winners. I'd like to start with you talking a bit about your very successful journey to where you are today. Well, it's actually, um, you know, do you have two days? <laughs> it's a long <laughs> path, very circuitous. You know, 30 plus years ago, the word family office was barely known. People didn't think about going into the working with family offices. Uh, my practice, just to give you some context, is a little different from the family business consulting community that is the, at the core of FFI. I do a lot of collaboration with family business consultants and other advisors, but my specialty is really focusing on working with families who have family offices and other entities like private trust companies or investment operations and working with them to establish them, to improve them, sometimes uh, close them down. It's a very idiosyncratic kind of niche practice, but one that because of my background, which I'll get to in a second, just kind of grew into. I guess like a lot of people who are older in this business of family enterprise, our careers are very ad hoc. We started somewhere else. So I started really from the, from the standpoint of always wanting to help people and I was in a milieu that was very wealthy people and finding solutions for very wealthy people. Sometimes it was investment solutions. Sometimes it was governance solutions. Sometimes it was just listening and helping them through some of their personal problems. My background is um, kind of a mixed bag of investment, law. I went to law school. I went to business school. Was there any personal connection, whether it was uh, directly involved in a family business or maybe you knew of a family business in the neighborhood? Or I'm just curious if there's any uh, Excellent connection. question. I actually married into a fourth generation family business, ah. and it was a very traditional family. But I was very curious about family businesses, particularly multi-generational family businesses. And I've also been very interested in birth order you know, didn't know much, didn't know much of any or anything about the Bowen system that, that early, particularly early in my career, but always interested in birth order because I'm the oldest of nine children. Oh. So, so, <laughs> so there, there's just lots of, when you reflect back right. on where you started and or how you started, it's very ad hoc. As you really reflect more and more on it, there's a pattern and a path that, you know, fate or whatever kind of puts you on whether it's it's just soothing the fears of a family in a crisis or extending planning over several decades. Give us a, a, some hard examples of the kinds of things you have done that made people better. Sure. Well, I've worked a lot with the next generation. Um, I think that comes probably from my own family background because I have a lot of younger siblings. A lot of practice. Um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of practice. So with the next generation, I've been involved in kind of starting and, and fostering, facilitating conversation where you're listening and helping the next gens understand where they are in the family system and the enterprise, giving them guidance as to how coaching. 
I don't want to say mentoring, it's more coaching uh, around how to deal with the senior generation. And that's been a very satisfying part of my career, helping them formulate their own family office ideas and bringing them to, into the, the family system. So uh, that's one area that I've, been, that I've done a lot of work in. I, early on in my career, I was part of a group called International Sky. The International Sky is not around anymore, but the Summer Institute is around. And it was really a group of uh, inheritors uh, from well-known families, uh, particularly in the U.S., who got together every summer in a dude ranch at that point in Wyoming. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was a very basic dude ranch. We talked about things. We, we talked about their situations. I ran a little workshop on investing, but it was much more soft side of investing as opposed to getting really brass tacks and mm. a, a um, Harvard Business School type course of what to expect. Why are your investments made this way? It was very qualitative with some quantitative, right. but very qualitative. So that's, that's one thing, one thing I'm very proud of in my career and was very helpful to me and to them. And I still have connections after 30 years with some of the, the people who were part of the Summer Institute. Well, that's what it's about, relationship, right? And the trust yeah. that uh, a family and a dynamic of trust that a family puts in somebody like yourself. And that's one of the reasons we're honoring you with this award. But still, yeah. it's a relationship that doesn't just end at the at the conclusion of a meeting. It continues right. throughout right. your life in some cases. And, and, and it has in many respects. In fact, I won't name names, but there are a couple of uh, people who are members of FFI who were part of the Summer Institute. And we all kind of laugh when we think about each other on a horse. You know? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, 30 years ago, <laughs> it's, it's true that uh, those are great memories. Unfortunately, right now, as you and I talk, we're facing a worldwide crisis that involves separation and distancing and all the things that yeah. we all know too much about. What kind of extra challenges has that placed on people in your position and families you work with? I mean, obviously, there are many. One of the biggest challenges that I find is not getting data or information to people because communications are fabulous. I mean, look at what we're doing now. And in fact, the idea of recording events and recording conversations has really been helpful with families in some, sometimes family members just don't have the time. So we record a session and they can listen to it. So there's been a lot of advantages, but the disadvantage is that sidebar, that meeting in the hallway, that kind of building consensus that you have to really help families make decisions in a positive way that you really were doing in an ad hoc, unscripted way. We don't have that. We don't have that, that physical contact. I find that my travel time has been translated into more cyber time with families, which is great. So the information flow is better, but the quality of the of the contact is diminished. It just has to be because you're not eyeball to eyeball, so to speak. Which brings to mind uh, the organization I'm, I'm doing this podcast with, FFI. Organizations like that are in place to offer guidance and support along with yeah. individuals like yourself. But perhaps more than ever, we have to lean on others for help during yeah. these times. Yeah, I've been on I've been on lots of podcasts lots of Zoom calls, largely because I'm not on an airplane, which has been a boon. Exactly. <laughs> You're not sitting in an airport. And and it's been very helpful. I've, I've kind of veered out of the normal zone. Like without this crisis, I wouldn't have the time. I'd be sticking to my knitting. I'd be doing mm. my networking. Now I, I my mind has opened up uh, a lot, largely because we have to, because we have a new reality. 
and we don't know the other side of this reality. So I'm trying to see the positive side of it, but there's definitely, we can connect and it's important and an organization like FFI can help people connect, which it does. The human interaction face-to-face is is really missing. I think it's going to hurt the quality of some decisions that are made by some families that have a lot of emotion that need to def- that needs to be diffused physically. In yeah, person. that that's something that I'm sure a lot of people are constantly toying with the idea that things could get out of hand if people aren't involved directly. But there are ways, as you say, and innovative ways to do it. I want to focus on the award itself. It's named yeah. after Richard Beckhard. It's called the Richard Beckhard Practice Award. He won it in 1992. Your thoughts on winning this particular award of all awards? When, when, when the nominating committee came to me, I, I said to them, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not the traditional family business consultant. I'm a collaborator, and I'm certainly in the family enterprise. Um, and then to get the award, I was just really thrilled and, and was kind of scratching my head as to how I fit into the, the Richard Beckard Practice Award. So I, I started to do, I didn't know him, unfortunately. Um, I started to do some more deeper research on, on his work. It became clear to me that there was a connection um, as I looked at the way he developed his organizational theory, the way he was very people-centric in his approach to change, and the way he developed a hierarchy or a methodology around building teams. One of the things that really struck me was in his team-building exercises and hierarchy, he, he sets out goals and roles and processes and then relationships. In that process, I could see the family office team and what is what is a family office but a team of people who serve a family. I saw a lot of, of application of his theory, uh, which was very early on into the family office world. And the award and the practice award made more sense because I've spent a lot of time building teams Family office work and family work is all about change. It's all about anticipating change and then building confidence around change. And so the award made sense to me when I got more deeply into what Richard Beckhardt's theories were. And I think from the practice side, he had a passion for his work. And I certainly have a passion for the work that I do. I mean, it keeps me going. I'm not saying that there aren't some ups and downs in that work. But there's a satisfaction, and that satisfaction will help you attract good clients and help you work with other people more effectively. And I think that was some of some of his genius that well, he he worked. He was a good uh, practice person. You're bringing out something that I I really firmly believe in, and that would be at the heart of any family business consultant, and in, and in particular Richard Beckhart's practice, is is that governance. The idea that there needs to be uh, a way of making decisions, a purpose to what the organization is about, a mission, a vision, and that informs how the generations evolve. So that, that a lot of my work has been, particularly with family offices, is taking the organization or the idea of the organization and making sure that before anything happens substantively, the family thinks through what it needs, what it wants, and fundamentally what the family is all about. What are the goals and the values? And that's where the intersection comes with me with, with a family business consultant uh, in the traditional sense, because they work a lot with family governance and developing goals and values. And I'm adapting those goals and values 
to one of the entities that the family uh, is sponsoring, which would be the family office. So does that make sense? It does. And there's a variety of skill sets that I'm gleaning. You you are (laughs) constantly sort of sharpening your skill sets because let's face it, human beings are complex. (laughs) And uh, there's the business side, which is cut and dry in some cases, but in other cases, it's it's about personality. Yeah, it definitely is. And, And as I said before, families are always in transition. Marriages, there's divorces, there's births, there's deaths. I, I, I kind of laugh at colleagues that want to get into the, quote, family office business because they think it's static. It's far from static. Um, and as soon as you get, if you get a good 10-year period of stability, you're really lucky. <laughs> and and you have external factors. You know, you have what we have today. I mean, look at what's happening in, in the world of family enterprise consulting. I mean, it's all online now, essentially. Nobody would have anticipated that and how people's practices might change. But the family offices have changed. There were many families who were adamant about almost punching the clock, being in the office, punching the clock. And they've learned they have to give people laptops. They have to have security. The people are working from home. And I hear families many times saying, we may not reopen the office for some time. We may only use it for, con- for convening meetings. We're fine with the way things are working. So externally and internally within the family, there's a constant change. And you have to, as I said, when you're looking at the organization, change is a fact. It's not just something that happens periodically. It's a fact. Which certainly makes your job much more interesting than it could be if it weren't the same yeah. dynamic. It sounds like you're really enjoying it and uh, it shows. Yeah. I mean, I, I I really love the fact that I can go in every once in a while and do a project for a family, um, maybe assess the office. And, see, and it's usually around a generational change. So I've had a number of assignments, uh, discrete assignments for uh, families who see the rising generation They know the family office needs to have services, a little different services. They know that the next generation wants something more automated, where the senior generation wants everything faxed in in paper form. And so you go in and you assess the staff, which usually the staff is older because it was hired by another generation. So you have staffing issues, you have process issues, and, and that's fun. And it's even more fun for me when I get called back and say, come in and, you know, help me with this because I've had a long career with a lot of, uh, with, you know, I've seen a lot of different things and I've been at this for a while. The other part of my practice is really being on boards. So I'm on family office boards, I'm on investment committees, I'm on private trust company boards. And that's where uh, I can really help with the governance, help with the intersection of these organizations with the, in, within the enterprise, because usually you just don't have a family office. There's either a family business or a investment companies the family might own. Certainly there's a family philanthropy that's probably organized. There could be a direct investing company. And how does the family office fit in this and how does the governance work? Brings in governance and again, brings in my connection with the core of the work that many people do at FFI. Um, So the family office boards are springboards for me. Sometimes I end up doing kind of a mini project for the family, but most of the time I'm actually hiring other people and supervising and helping them do the work since I'm at the, at the board level, I'm not at, at the doer level. It's not good governance, but I've been on some family office boards for more than 15 years because <laughs> there's always something that's very gratifying to say the least. 
Catherine, before we wrap up here, what advice would you like to impart to those interested in following in your footsteps and doing the kind of work that you've done so successfully? You know, I have a couple of I have a couple of rules of thumb. One is put the client's interest first and really put the client's interest first. Don't just talk about it. Uh, don't judge the client. I think people get in trouble when they have this judgment against the, when they come in with a bias and they and they're obviously judging what's going on. Meeting the family or the person where they are, not trying to change them from the very beginning. Um, and then my operating principle is first do no harm. That's why I've done a lot of collaboration with people because I can't, I have a very mixed background, but I, but I can go in so deep. Um, I need specialists and I'm very happy to, and I learned early on to collaborate, to be a resource and it been paid back to me a million times over. Um, and then finally, just being true to yourself. If there's a assignment that doesn't feel right, that you don't respect the principles deeply, um, that there's no simpatico, move on. You're doing yourself a favor. You're taking all that negative energy away. And and there there's someone else out there that will that that you can do a positive, have a positive experience with, and do good work with. Well, you've been very forthcoming. I really appreciate it. And more than that, I really want to say congratulations on this uh, very esteemed honor. You deserve it. I really want to thank FFI, um, the, the nominating committee. Um, I'm delighted and, and, and looking forward to continuing to be a resource in the industry and working and engaging with family enterprise consultants and advisors and with FFI. And thank you, Jordan. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for a great conversation, Catherine, on the future of family offices. To learn more about the FFI Awards Program and the 2020 Virtual Conference, please visit FFI.org. That's FFI.org. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.